Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 17. It's now been six weeks and two days since I started this experiment to talk about my thoughts and feelings rather than heading for the chips. Today I'm broadcasting from the top of a windy mountain in the middle of the Santa Anas. It's thrilling, exciting, a little bit scary, but not too bad. I'm sitting on a rock. Today I'm going to give you an update about my time in Vegas for my birthday and how it turned out. I'm going to answer a question from new listener Raphael. And the main topic of the day is one that all of us have probably struggled with from time to time if we're compulsive overeaters, and that is sneak eating. But I'm letting go. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Jason. Those were my friends that went with me to Las Vegas, and they recorded that by calling the Bravery Hotline at 206-350-6445 while we were sipping margaritas and eating Mexican food at Senior Frog. <laughs> I love that place. It was a lot of fun. Now, I told Amy and Jason that I have a new podcast about compulsive overeating, and they kind of raised their eyebrow and looked at me like, well, we're not quite sure what that is, but whatever makes you happy makes us happy. So I said, here, will you call the Bravery Hotline and, and just wish me your happy birthday for the podcast? And they did. So, you know, it was fantastic to share my birthday with my friends and with my husband, but not one of those three suffer in any way from binge eating or compulsive overeating. <laughs> so, while we could enjoy our margaritas, not one of them could understand what a victory it is for me that I only drank half of my margarita, not because I was counting the calories for it, or because I was trying to make a point, but because I realized that halfway through, I had had enough and it wasn't tasting as good to me anymore, and I was satisfied, so I didn't drink any more. That's huge for me, that's like a big deal. But to them it's like, hey, how come you're wasting that half a margarita? Don't you know how much that costs? I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't need it. And for me, that was a victory moment, and I'm so glad that I have all of you out there in this podcast to share these victories with me, as well as to support me in my struggles, because it makes a huge difference when you get to share these issues with someone who truly understands. So I want to give you just a really quick recap. Las Vegas was the first time I actually tried to put my plan B into action, that's plan B-E, as in to be, and to learn more, if you haven't listened to it, go back to episode 12, because that's where I first kind of had this concept, first outlined it to myself, and it's really working out for me. Basically, what I decided to do is to go to Las Vegas on my birthday, and thanks again, Crystal, because she supported me in this idea that I would not diet and I would not binge. By that, I mean, before I've gone to Las Vegas 
and I have stuck to an eating plan. I've known how much I was going to eat or I've exercised like crazy to make sure I have calories to eat the thing. And I was tracking my food and I was doing what I called being like on my plan, on my diet, sticking within my range. Even if I gave myself a maintenance range, I was actually dieting and tracking calories. And that works coming back from Las Vegas or any other vacation with a a successful weight. But I don't know if it gave me a successful, emotional, fun, and relaxation that vacations are supposed to give you. Now, vacations are not just supposed to be, let me eat all I can and and eat everything that I don't normally get to eat as much as possible because when I go home, I'm going to deprive myself. Vacations aren't just about food. A true vacation is a chance for you to relax, reconnect, recharge batteries, to come back to your day-to-day life feeling better than when you left. Not disgusted that you put on 10 pounds because you ate like a fiend. Not, not sorry because you didn't try that world-renowned dessert because you were counting your calories. So I think when we have an over-focus on food, which if we're compulsive overeaters, that's what we have, right? But when you have this over-focus on food, it robs us of some of the other attributes of a wonderful vacation. The sense of relaxation, the sense of freedom, the sense of enjoying the people that you're with if you go with other people. Even a vacation by yourself can be quite wonderful. And in that case, you're just like trying to commune with yourself and to notice what you know and and see what you see. So... This time round, I made a, a pact with myself. I'm not going to diet, and I'm not going to overeat. Well, that sounds really easy, Lori. <laughs> if we could all just do that, we'd have no problem. But you guys have been supporting me, and I've been practicing these last six weeks, that I don't want to eat food unless I really want that food. I'm not going to eat food just to fill my time. I'm not going to not let myself have food because it's too fattening. A good example is on my actual birthday, March 9th, Mark and I went to a wonderful Italian spot inside the Venetian Casino, which is cool because they they paint all the inside of this, the canal area, to look like Venice outside. So you're inside, but it's like you're outside. And the way that they make the lights come down, it follows the time of day. So we were out there on this pseudo patio on the evening. And what sounded good to me was risotto. Now risotto is made with rice and butter and cream and all kinds of things and normally I wouldn't touch risotto with a 10-foot pole even though I love it. I like to have a glass of wine with dinner so I asked the the waiter, waitress actually, what would you recommend? She picked out a, a white that I normally would not have tried but I said okay I'll give that a try. Sip that slowly, love that risotto, didn't need to eat at all. Wanted to save room for dessert. It's my birthday after all. All the desserts sounded fantastic. Again, I asked the waitress, what, what are you famous for here? What would you recommend? And they said, we make the best tiramisu going. We absolutely do. I said, well, that sounds good. Mark and I had just gone on a romantic gondola trip there inside of Venice, Las Vegas. And it was really cool. So we had this theme going. I said, why not? We had this leisurely dinner. She comes out with the tiramisu, lights a candle for it, sings a quiet happy birthday song. I blew out that candle and realized I was totally content. I was totally happy. I had a couple bites of that tiramisu. It was fantastic. And I had enough. 
That is big news. I had enough. Now at this point, I had no idea like what did I weigh, how much had I eaten, because I'd literally drank anything I wanted to drink, eaten anything I wanted to eat. My only rule was I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to drink it unless I really want it, and I'm going to stop eating it when it no longer tastes delicious. <laughs> Man, I guess when I'm distracted by having fun with others, I'm not feeling all of the sadness and the need to cover up things. And when I was able to taste the food, appreciate the food, and notice when I'd had enough. I don't pronounce myself cured, but I think all this practicing this last six weeks has really done me good. So again, I want to thank you guys for listening and for encouraging me to keep at it because it really did good. And this is my first vacation ever. It was four days and three nights of no dieting and no binging. I don't consider that I overate one bit, but I ate whatever I wanted. And when I came home and got weighed this morning, I was up one pound, one. And I don't even think that's a real pound. I think that could be salt and travel. So I'm not at all upset with my progress. And today I went back to eating my oatmeal without any resentment, felt fine. So I'm encouraged and I'm hoping that I can continue on this path for myself. Next up, I'd like to give a shout out to new listener, Raphael, who posted on episode 13. So if you guys out there could do me a favor, go to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com day 13 and leave a note for Raphael to encourage him. This is his question. Do I overeat because of boredom? How about depression? I have no social life. Is losing weight difficult because I'm near 60? So those are some questions that lots of us might have and this is what I said in a nutshell. Hi Raphael, thanks for joining us here. There are as many reasons to overeat as there are people who struggle. Not all overeaters are compulsive or binge eaters. However, whatever type of overeating a person does, many, many, many use food when bored or lonely. And I think that's true. How, raise your hand right now or, or not on the elliptical crystal. <laughs> How many of us use food for entertainment or when we're bored or when we're lonely and lonesome? And it's kind of like a, a bad circle because if you're not feeling about good about yourself because of your weight or because of your eating compulsion, it's hard to go out to the party or hard to go out and volunteer or hard to go out and meet some people. And making connections with others is one of the number one best things to do to help combat the compulsive brain. So here's my hats off to you, Raphael, because you at least reached out to make a connection online with me. You posted for us all to see your thoughts and feelings, and I'm hoping that we as a community can come and support you and let you know, at least in the virtual world, that you're not alone, that there's those of us out here that care, and maybe some other people have tips for you. I think even if it's going out of your house and taking a walk around your neighborhood or saying hello to the checkout lady at the grocery store or to make some effort to connect with people on some level, even if it's just waving hello to somebody or giving them a smile, is helpful. A little bit further down the line, you might want to find an organization that you care about, maybe your political animal or an artistic person. 
Last time I came up here hiking, there was a lot of people painting out here the landscapes of where I go hiking, and they're like an art group. And they get together every week or two, and they pick a place to go paint outside. So they're kind of alone because they're painting, but they're together because they're a group that goes painting. So if you're artistic, something like that might be fun. Or community college courses, can, you can try something new, becoming a writer or a voice actor, or try acting. You know, acting is a lot of fun. It can get you out of your shell. And sometimes it's easier to say things when you're a character than it is in your own life. But to answer your question, yes, I think that boredom and loneliness can be at the root of overeating. So how about the rest of you? Do you guys have some ideas? Go ahead and post on day 13 or give a call to the Bravery Hotline and let Raphael know your thoughts on that. Okay. Now, the main topic I wanted to hit at today comes from a listener who I don't want to name because this is a very personal topic, but I asked permission to share this letter because I think it speaks really, really well to this issue. Okay, this is it. Hey, Lori, I'm needing some support. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I know that I shouldn't buy Girl Scout cookies. Okay, I'm breaking into her letter now. Okay, how many of you can leave the Girl Scout cookies alone? Not me. Back to the letter. <laughs> but I love the attention I get when people hear the amount that I buy and how fast I can eat them. First time I ever thought that out loud and I'm cringing inside. I bought 12 boxes once a year and I get that many so that I may enjoy them all year long. I received them last Tuesday and four boxes are gone. Okay, how many of you have bought a bunch of cookies thinking I'm going to space them out? But if you have a bunch of cookies in your house and that's your trigger food, it is almost impossible for that to, to stay in the cupboard. I, you know, listener, I tell you, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, gal. Back to her letter. I felt so lousy and guilty for how many I have gone through. Since I've been off the wagon with the cookies for my other meals, I've said, what the hell, and eaten whatever else I've wanted to. I've been completely consumed by these small boxes hiding in my closet, obsessed. I hide them from my husband so he won't eat them all, and I find myself looking forward to times that he won't be around so that I can binge alone. I found myself in my closet while he was in the shower stuffing my face. I was so consumed by these cookies that I let my dog out, started in on a box, and then forgot about him until him, I heard the dog crying at the door. I've made the decision that today will bring out the rest of the boxes I have and give one each to my very supportive friends, feeling like a failure with a stomach ache. All right, that is like a wonderful description exactly of how binge feelings hit you, what happens to you, how crazy you can feel, how out of control you feel. And I thank you, listener, for giving me permission to read your letter on the air for the rest of you. And I'm asking those of you that suffer from sneak eating to step up and post on today, day 17, to give encouragement to this listener or call the Bravery Hotline, tell your story that I can put on the podcast. You don't have to leave your name. Or you can leave your name and say, Lori, this is me, but don't use my name. Or if you want, you can say, go ahead, use it all, if you want to become even more brave and let the world know about your issues. But when I was young, I had a similar thing. We had to sell chocolate candy. It's like maybe like turtle candies, you know, caramels and nuts, like 12 for a dollar back in the day. That's what you sold it for. And 
it was kind of worse for me because we got the chocolates first in order to sell them. So like each girl is supposed to sell like 40 boxes of chocolates. And I had this 40 boxes of chocolates in my room. And I can't tell you how many of these chocolates I went through and then had to go and I tried to hide it from my mom and dad that I had eaten these chocolates and the rage that they had and how ashamed I felt. And can't you control yourself, Lori? What's wrong with you? And I'd be like, no, I can't. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I felt like the only person in the world. The other girls were slender. They weren't fat. They did not like eat their chocolates. They went out and sold their chocolates and got prizes. And you know, it was torture for me to have to live with all of this food in my house and then have to live with the guilt and the shame around that. But no, I could not control myself with that much food in the house. And if I went to see Candies right now and bought a whole pound box of chocolates, saying to myself that I'm going to eat one every single day and enjoy it with my coffee, I'm not there. I am not there today. Maybe someday I'll be there, but I'm not there yet. What I could do is go to seize candy and buy a couple pieces, bring them home with me, brew a nice cup of coffee, put them on a china plate and eat those two and enjoy them and then take care of my, my chocolate craving that way. But bring home like a bunch of them and put them in my house and expect myself to have the wherewithal at this stage to leave those alone. No, I'm, I'm tempting fate. I'm putting myself in harm's way. But if we go the other side and say, I'm never going to get to have Girl Scout cookies, then that's pretty tough too. So part of my advice was besides one, I think she's absolutely right. Get these cookies out of your house. This is not the time to be tempting fate with something that is a trigger food. But to tell yourself that I am never going to get to have Girl Scout cookies when I love them is really hard. So what I would recommend is like you buy a box of cookies and give them to your friend and say, I would love to come over and have a tea party with you and enjoy these cookies. Go over, put your cookies on two separate plates, even if it's six cookies, even if it's 10 cookies, however many cookies you would need to feel okay that you've had enough cookies in public, put that many on your own plate. Because sometimes when we're sharing desserts with people, we get frantic because we feel like the other person is eating too much of our dessert and we're not going to get it. So we tend to stuff down our lovely shared desserts and we don't notice that flavor. So to stop that in your tracks, I would say have your own plate so that you can eat them as slowly as you like and still know that you're going to get all of your own cookies. And the reason I recommend it is so that you can start putting in your compulsive brain some new pathways, some new memories, some new thoughts about how you can enjoy your food. Instead of, you know, how many times are we depriving ourselves and eating diet foods or foods that we don't really love, or we're binging out of control because we're finally letting ourselves eat this food, right? Life is a balance. Now, some of us have chemical reactions to some foods that even one bite of that food can cause us to go nutso and that's a chemical thing. Some of it is emotional deprivation issues that things like doing what I'm doing, sharing my feelings. So calling the bravery hotline, posting online, talking to a friend, that can help alleviate some of that stress. Another thing is sometimes you just got this sense of deprivation like I'm not allowed to eat this normal food. 
And that's one reason why my lunch, five out of seven days, is nachos. <laughs> nachos with real chips. Bean Tostitos, I really like them. And that's so that I can get used to having one ounce of chips, one ounce of cheese, and one serving of guacamole every single day. And that is helping me deal with chips in a new way. I've been doing this now for six weeks. So when we went to Vegas and there were potato chips at the bar where we had the, the pear martini, I was able to eat one or two potato chips and not feel that I had to eat this whole bowl or I was never going to get chips again. And I attribute part of that to the fact that I have been conditioning myself to eat one ounce of chips, to taste them, to slowly eat them. I have been reconditioning my mind to behave that way with chips. Now, could I do that with Cheetos? Nope. I don't know that I could ever do that with Cheetos. Could I do that with Girl Scout cookies? I don't think so. So I usually go to the Girl Scouts and say, how much do your cookies cost? And I give them the money and ask them to donate, to donate the box of cookies to someone who could use them. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Let me know, what do you do? Are you prone to sneak eating? What triggers you? Have you come out from sneak eating? Let me know. I hope you're having a good week. I really appreciate when you contact me and I really would love to support you because I care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Silence.